Welcome back to SendSpark Studio South here in sunny Austin, Texas. Humanize your outreach and send a video. Today, we've got Mark Thomas, growth marketer at Podia. Podia is an all-in-one platform for creators to build websites, sell courses, and digital products, and host online communities. Mark, thank you for joining us on the show. It's extremely nice. Very good to meet you, finally. It's been a while, man. Thank you so much for joining us on I'm Not Selling You Anything. This is the first time we've met face-to-face. -face. I'm feeling like this is going to be a waste of everyone's time. Are you excited? Yeah. I, no, I feel like it's going to be a waste, too. So we'll just end it here. Okay. No, actually. Thank you. The episode was three <laughs> minutes long. <laughs> hey, look, it's the quality of those three minutes that counts, Brian. Hey, so you have one of the best-named podcasts in tech marketing. You think so? Yeah, it's a great name. You want to know the genesis of it? When I was in the seller's chair, one of the only subject lines that got me responses is I'm not selling <laughs> you anything. That's what I put on LinkedIn. It's what I put on the subject line of emails. And it's one of the only things that worked. What's the most risque subject line you've ever sent in a business context? If you don't open this email, I'm going to kill you. And did they? <laughs> They're not around anymore. All right. Yeah. Let's get oh into the gosh. questions. What do you think, Mark? You want to jump into it? Yeah. Hit me. Mark, so my niece listens to this podcast. Can you explain what you do for work in a way that an eight-year-old would understand? Yeah, well, my daughter is six, so this won't work for her. But <laughs> hopefully in two years' time, she'll get it. I work out what people are doing on an app, and I watch what they do, and I look at all the things they've done, and then I find ways to make them do more of the thing that we want them to do, like spend money. So that's what I do. That's also the description I use with people in the sauna. So, you know... <laughs> They're older than eight. They're a lot older than eight. Mark, what is your superhero origin story? Your bit by a spider moment? You looked at the mm. world one way and then something happened and it's led you to where you are today. Yeah, so I used to do a lot of kind of advice sharing on LinkedIn as part of my work, mostly. I was working at an agency, a marketing agency at the time. And, you know, I kind of got this savior complex, like I can help you save your marketing and you could stop wasting money and just do these things. And then at the end of 2022, I realized I kind of hated that in some ways, both on a personal level, but also because the economy crashed. I don't know if anyone noticed that. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Suddenly... I heard it outside it was a little while ago. <laughs> And uh, suddenly it was really, really hard for everyone, right? And everyone was having like the worst year of their life and they didn't need another person saying, do better. Uh, Pontificating. So I kind of had this kind of Damascus moment where I was just like, oh, I should not do that. And instead, I decided that I would try to make people laugh and have a good time doing it. And honestly, that was kind of a pivotal moment in my career because, talk about this more, but I effectively realized I've been kind of censoring my personality for a long time. I'm a creative person and I'd basically just been trying to become corporate. Now, you say that only until the end of 2022. Did you realize that? I feel like I've caught on to you way before 2022. So you weren't a complete yeah. corporate shill. <laughs> Professionally a shell, personally a weirdo. Yeah, no, I obviously had a personality outside of my nine to five, but I definitely feel like it was a different personality to the one that I was putting across in my work. It was kind of this weird sort of unnecessary bifurcation. And in many ways, it was more appealing, right? More appealing to me because I didn't have to pretend and I could express myself. Uh, I'm sure Sundays also... are a lot less dreadful now, right? Because <laughs> yeah. you wake up on Monday, you like what you're doing. I do. It sounds like you like what you're doing better because of this. Yeah, definitely. And you know what? The thing is, when I started to do that, I stopped having to like compete with everyone else. You know, everyone's trying to get the same attention over and over again. Every day, they're trying to come up with ideas to get more attention. And me, I'm just out here putting out music videos about SaaS marketing and having a good time. And the attention just comes and I don't 
really think about view counts or anything like that anymore. I mean, I look, I'm interested, of course, but I no longer stress about, is this going to do well? Because frankly, like I know people like it. Yeah. Uh, and no, yeah. One, no one else is doing it. So yeah. I really like it. I'm like, what does this remind me of? And now I got it. So it reminds me of yeah. Flight of the Concords. Oh, all right. Okay. Yeah. So you've got like the comic and that's cool because at the end of the day, I just want to make people smile and kind of laugh and be memorable in that way. But actually, I just really, really love punk music and like post-punk music. The band who like I think I most sort of looked at when I was starting to do this was Sleaford Mods. I don't know if you ever come across them. Just sort of like angry working class. And it's sort of almost like minimalistic punk from the north of England. When you realize that you can have fun doing your day job, that's kind of when it all changed for you. And it was kind of recent. So yeah, congratulations yeah, sure. is still in order. Mark, what challenges are you solving today and how are you solving them differently? I guess the first one is about making customer insight uh, mm -hmm. more available at Podia so that we develop the right stuff for the right people. Now, Podia's got like a really heavy customer research focused culture. Everything about the product is very responsive to customer needs. Same for the marketing. But now the marketing team is set up to get these really structured insights and get them to the product team so that we build features that people like. And then we launched email marketing platform earlier this year. And that was kind of developed in response to customer research. They needed email marketing. They hated using MailChimp or, you know, whatever. And when we put together a feature set that they were able to use in a way that connected all of their existing stuff that was on Podia, suddenly it was like, well, yeah, obviously I want to use this. And so that was great. It was amazing. But the second challenge right now is more broad. So Podia is known as a course builder tool in the market. That's what it's been for years. But that's not how we think of ourselves anymore as a company. So obviously we still have that functionality and a lot of people still use the product for that. But as I just said, we released email marketing earlier this year. We also released a website builder. And so now we think of ourselves in the same market as say Squarespace or Wix, Wix, right? There you go. Or even WordPress and MailChimp. So we're competing with real sort of silverbacks in their yeah, own yeah, industries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what's hard about that is that those guys are massively VC funded and Podia is not. So we're in a position where we're trying to get a lot of attention and become known for stuff that we've never been known for in a market with people whose some of their budgets are significantly larger. So Dude, they have Super Bowl commercials. Come on. Yeah, I'm still angling for that, that Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> That's on you? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Thank you for answering that one, Mark. That last part rang true to me. You said you're trying to stand out in a crowded market of silverbacks. Obviously, there's some players that have been in the market for a while, and you're out there trying to make some noise, like stand up, kind of wave your arms. Yeah. And I think the type of content that you put together is the type of thing that would actually do the job. And you know what the cool thing is? It's not just about us, right? So we're not just relying on our own skills at creating <laughs> interesting content. So we recently ran a sponsorship program. We started building this anyway. And the goal there is to sponsor users who have large audiences themselves, our own customers who have large audiences, to make content that's relevant to their audiences so that Podia becomes intertwined in their existing narrative. And then we benefit from this really broad, interesting content. Some examples of things that people made as part of that where somebody did a cake tutorial which was all centered around the brand color of Podia and while she was doing the icing on the cake she gave a pitch about Podia 
Instagram. That went down really well. And that was uh, by your marketing team that put it together? Or this was no. user generated? Yeah. So we basically just said to our users, hey, we want to do this. We want you to create the content. We don't want to do it for you. We prefer it if it wasn't just like a plain old ad read, but here is a script if you want to. And then people came back with amazing, interesting ideas. So we had this cake lady who produced this Podia cake. Also, one of the finest moments of my marketing career was getting a company, a YouTube channel who made Whole Foods recipes. We managed to get them to create a juice a purple drink called Creative Juice, which I pitched initially as a joke in internal marketing thing. That's the dream. I did it. And it was bright purple. Again, while they were making that juice, they talked about Podia and the use of Podia in their business. You know, that, what did you offer to, as a, in return for this? I can't remember the specific details, but it was money. We literally paid people as the sponsorship. Yeah. I mean, it's been super interesting. People have come back with really cool ideas. You know, we'll happily give people creative concepts, but mostly people are coming up with interesting things for themselves. Mark, I'm curious because you're a wild man and you like doing things a little bit differently. What is exciting you out there in the B2B world? Any cool technology or trends that is making yeah. you kind of go, hmm. Yeah, I am all about this year, the move that a lot of people are making away from kind of playbook based marketing. Last 10 years, if you want to market a tech product or a software product in particular, you've got probably five playbooks that you run. So those are like you search to generate high volume traffic or the opposite of that, which is do pain point focus content only so that people convert more or you do super targeted like paid media and kind of stuff like that. But what we're seeing is that because market conditions have changed for one, but also because privacy has become more important, literally legislation is making like it GDPR? hard for us. GDPR, the iOS 16 privacy updates, mm. all this kind of stuff. And then you've got masses of VC money pouring into markets. And suddenly all of our playbooks are becoming increasingly hard to run. And also the big companies in each market, there are not that many different kinds of software that you can have at the end of the day. You know, there's lots of niches, but if you've got a CRM product, you're competing with Salesforce. doesn't matter which industry you're in. At some point, you're going to meet them down the road. Yeah. And it's not even just CRM, right? Because maybe it's invoicing. If you're an invoicing app, you're also competing with Salesforce because maybe they've got some kind of documents or files app or whatever within their product. They're going to get the same market share as you eventually. So how do you compete with, say, someone like that or ClickUp is another example mm -hmm. who have absolutely eaten up adjacent markets with a tool that is really good and a marketing budget that is, I assume, pretty healthy. And you have to go beyond those playbooks and you have to ask, where are my customers? What are they doing? How do they feel? What are they concerned about? Where do they feel underserved by these companies? And then the second thing is, how can I come up with genuinely interesting and undervalued campaigns, channels that make sense for that market on the basis that I understand them already. That's the second part of that. And the third part, which is really important if you actually want to make this happen, is that you can no longer just point on a Google Analytics property to a specific report and say that's the ROI of our marketing. Because firstly, Google Analytics is trash. Yep. It doesn't work anymore. And secondly, because like a lot of these tools, these channels, these playbook or post playbooks that we're running are not measurable in the same way that the others were. And so you have to come up with a sort of a narrative that involves a mixture of different data sources, some qualitative, some quantitative, 
Yeah. Sometimes you got to put together a bunch of screenshots of people talking about yeah. the product, things right. that would have never surfaced in any other dashboard. It's just not going to exactly. happen. Exactly. And it's actually the combination of those sources that is the real value here because no marketing exec is going to get by at a board level, for example, by saying, look, here's the screenshots of the self-reported attribution survey we did. But they might do if they say, also, here's the uptick in traffic yeah. we saw, all that kind of stuff. And so I put this into a framework that I like to call rinse and repeat. So we've got relate to customers. That's R. We've got I, which is ideate. So come up with interesting and novel ideas for how to actually respond to those customers that you just related, related to. to. And then narrate, which is the N in rinse. And that is about building a narrative around the impact of your marketing. And then obviously you got to repeat that over and over again because... There's no end in sight here. We're not going back to the old. R-I-N-R, right? Rinse. rinse, rinse and repeat. That's the playbook. And that's what's interesting to you. People are starting to buck the norm in a way. Like you said, everything's commoditized. Everyone's got so much money. Everyone's running the same playbooks and people are getting mm. a little bit different. And that's what's interesting. That's pretty cool. I think so. Mark, I'm sure you might've seen in the news that Loom, a company very much like SendSpark, was recently acquired by Atlassian. Mm. What are your thoughts on video for Outbound? Obviously, I know that you're a big fan of video. You are a media creator. What are your thoughts yeah. on using video as an outbound strategy to get someone interested, to see if someone's interested, to see if someone's open to a meeting? I am very pro video for outbound. But here's what I'll say. Firstly, I actually had a blog post on Loom's blog about this from years ago. Um, oh, okay. So you're sold on it. Yeah. Actually, I think I've done some selling for Loom. And, Wait um, a second. Did you work for Loom? Yeah. No, I didn't. I never I'd worked look, for Loom. I looked, but I was like, did I miss something? <laughs> I did a guest blog. It was a cool campaign, actually. Basically, I had this theory that our users at a different company that I ran would be more likely to upgrade to paid plan if they received a personalized message. Now, the personalized video message. Exactly. Personalized video message. But I also tested text only and the personalized video massively outperformed the free to paid upgrade. I'm struggling to remember these numbers off the top of my head because it was like five years ago, but it was significant enough that Loom thought they should publish a case study about this. Uh, That's on... right. They were in small fish five years ago. <laughs> so if they got my boy from the city by the sea, That's little old Cardiff, all on the big page, <laughs> that'd be pretty good, man. It was a good case study. But here's the thing about this, right? So uh -huh. I think that the technology is great, right? So the technology of sending a personalized video is great. It doesn't matter which platform in a certain sense you're actually doing that. The challenge here is you still got to have something useful to put into that video. Now, where I think we can go is by being more like this, right? People who are selling with video, don't just put someone's face in it and go, hey, I'm sending you this personal video. Let's connect. Say something interesting. Do it with character. At the moment, I'm actually working on a project where I'm going to be sending remixes of people's YouTube shorts to them as outreach. Oh, because um, it's a creator platform. I see, I see. That's interesting. And yeah, I mean, it's just a skill I've got, right? Yeah. You know, these are sort of like lo-fi remixes, but like I take someone's YouTube short of them talking on a podcast like this and like chop up their vocals and turn it into a beat and then put in like a key quote and stuff like that. It gets people's attention. And I tested this out in a really sort of lo-fi way as well. What I did was I started going onto YouTube, pulling off these little shorts that people are doing, chopping them up and then putting them directly onto LinkedIn, just publicly and seeing what the response was. And it was incredible. 
frankly. So yeah, people, people see like, themselves called out on a professional network. You can't ignore yeah. them. If it's yeah, YouTube, you, you can a little bit easier, but it still seems like you did. You put some work in, and obviously you're going to yeah. get responses from that, from these creators that you'd like to get attention from to possibly check out Pogia, right? For sure. And it just works. And you don't need permission to do it because you're making something with their stuff and you're saying like, this That's is great. I, I mean, I don't know if I'll get sued eventually, but I doubt it. Uh, it's speed, man. If you do it quick enough and you got what you ever you got to do, maybe you can delete it off the internet, but you made friends and they're not mad. So do it in a respectful bad. way that calls them out. You're in on the joke with these people. Like it's very much yeah. how I produce things and put them on LinkedIn or on TikTok and at these large corporations that end up down the road taking meetings with us. It's because of things like that. I think that's really, really cool, man. I love your stuff as well. I think it's really interesting. Just let me give you a little message here. Of an interesting style. It feels very authentic to you, even though we've only just met in person for the first time. I can already tell like you're yourself. And you know what? I think if you take, actually, if someone listening to this takes something away, it's like, here's two guys who are doing pretty well with the video, who would just be in themselves on video and not really, I mean, I'm not massively concerned about being judged anymore because I've done it so many times now. You know, maybe Isn't when that I nice? first started. Yeah, it's nice. And I feel like when I sit down at my desk and I'm like, oh, okay, I've got to create something today. I'm like, I actually want to do this. And also I'm not scrambling for ideas because I'm just being myself. Yeah, that's and it's, the fun part of it. When you could clip that when you get there and I see it in your because you take your everyday <laughs> stuff also and that's the stuff that comes off extremely uh, authentic and it, I feel like it relates to me a lot because I do it in the same way it'll be something that mm. I was inspired in the morning or in the middle of the night I'll write it down or maybe I was out and I thought of something and I'll incorporate it in a way well I'm not really sitting down and being like oh I gotta think of these ideas <laughs> it's just we get paid to do a hobby we get paid to do something <laughs> yeah, we like, right, which sure. is crazy to say and I think people grow up and say that and I thought for a long long time that people just said it there was this thing that oh you will get paid to do the things you like to do i'm like that's not for me that's for other people that were born in a different way in a different world like right. aristocracy that's not for me <laughs> i don't know if you ever thought of it that way when you woke up one day and realized that you're getting paid to do something that you really like to do when you actually take a second and look back and realize i didn't think it was real forever did you feel that way if i'm honest my parents always told me i was special and i fully bought into it so beautiful <laughs> And you did it. And that's fine. That's the other side of it. My parents always said I was a, a nice guy. Yeah, hey, hey, you're a good guy. That's fine. I mean, it was nurtured. And maybe if it was nurtured for me a little bit more, I'd have better lighting in the back. I'd have the music video stuff is hilarious and just such on another level of creativity that I need to get to. Maybe I'll get to at some point, but it's just something that clearly that is really good. That's so interesting because when I've thought about these videos, I've often looked at the stuff that you do and I thought, I really like how Brian's done that. He's really put a different act angle on that and also some of your videos are genuinely art some of them i'm like i would never have thought to shoot this video in that way and i'm really into independent cinema and i'm like some of this stuff is art level that brian is doing thank uh, you very much i'll take it i'll take the massage i appreciate the massage but again this is yeah. more about you thank you All so right. much mark i'm screaming inside from that mark what talent do you have that you're not using i got a couple i can lick my elbow which is what? meant to be physically impossible oh you dude okay if 
you're watching this, you will see it happen. Very nice. Meant to be impossible. I can also do this thing. You might not be able to see this because it's a black t-shirt, but hang on, you can't see it. Oh man, that's so annoying. I could stick my shoulder blades right out. Oh! Independently. And I can actually crush stuff with them. Like a hand, for example. Like a chestnut? Or, no, no. It's like a great thing to tell someone, hey, put your hand in between my shoulder blades. Yeah, that's a great pub move. That's it. I can also rollerblade pretty high level. Like the movie, what was the rollerblade movie? Are you going to say hackers? Because not like that. <laughs> Hack, oh, no, I'm thinking airborne. Airborne. Oh man, yeah, I guess so. I haven't seen that in years. Um, hackers, I haven't seen hackers that one. Great. I need to get hackers on my I think screen ASAP. Hackers. hackers, I think, is the aesthetic of our generation. It's on Max. Okay, there I'm watching go. that tonight. I listen to the soundtrack to Hackers quite a lot, actually. It's got Prodigy, it's got Orbital. It's got a bit of David Bowie on there as well, actually, from when David Bowie did a little bit of dance music. Actually, an actual practical talent is that I speak four languages. Any Spanish? And I only, I only use two of them. No, I don't. I'm sorry. But I do speak French, and so I do understand a lot of Spanish, but maybe not the Spanish that you're speaking, uh, because here I am in Europe. Right. One thing that I was amazed to find out is that if you're an English speaker, you already know about 25,000 words in Spanish because they are the same root, and the ending is just different. 25,000? I'm sorry? 25,000 words. Yeah. So you don't get to use the languages as much as you'd like. You speak four of them. So you speak, obviously, Cantonese, speak, English. I speak English, Welsh, which is like my day-to-day. -day. I speak French and German. Yeah, there's only about one million Welsh speakers in the world. And we're all here. And oh, also <laughs> a tiny little bit in Argentina because of Patagonia. But yeah, it's so weird when you hear someone from Patagonia speaking Welsh, they speak it with a Spanish accent. And it oh, sounds that's very... gotta be... Very different. That's got to throw you for a loop. I always get thrown for a loop. I'm from New York and I'd go to Chinese restaurants in the Bronx mm. where the Chinese workers would speak perfect Spanish, but New York <laughs> Spanish. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. The, uh, the, that sounds like, good. As we're talking about music as well, we have been. And now we're talking about Spanish in New York. Have you ever heard Vel the Wonder? Veiled Wonder? Vel the Wonder, like V-E-L, the Wonder. No. She's got the, I assume it's based in New York. It's like a concept album called La Senya Avenue. Bell the Wonder. Okay, this is really good. No, I didn't hear about her, but thank you. La Senya Avenue. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Experimental really like, like Brian Eno experiment. Mm. Would you call that experimental? Brian Eno is extremely experimental. Okay, Except it is, right? I thought that I was like, I was either going to fly with that one or just go boom. Yeah. That should make a pretty good list here for me so far. Because you mentioned yeah. that you like punk rock, right? Punk and post. I do. I, do. I like punk. I am a big fan of going to, I don't know if you have them around you in Cardiff, Emo Night. Oh, just, amazing, man. I have yeah, yet to go to an Emo fun. Night down here in Texas since I moved here. I used to go to them a lot in New York. And tomorrow I'm planning on going to my first one. And I'm going to try mm -hmm. and grab as much inspiration from that night. <laughs> okay. Pepper in to here. You want some Emo that I really love? Yeah. One of my all-time favorite albums is Something to Write Home About by the Get Up Kids. Oh, nice. I think my favorite song on there is probably Valentine. And then just yesterday, I was listening to Brand New. I was listening to Deja Entendu, which is just an all-time favorite as well. That's my, that's my number one right there for me. Yeah. How do you feel about The Devil and God Are Raging Inside Me? I really like that album. I actually recently came back to The song was either called Luca or Limousine, where I didn't know there was like a back half of, to the song. Right. Right. It's yeah. like a seven minute song. I think it's limousine. <laughs> but I'm gonna have to listen the, again. Yeah, the back half just absolutely rips. Yeah. And I couldn't believe uh... it. And it made me listen to the whole <laughs> album again. Mark, what purchase 
of $100 or less has most positively impacted your life in the last six months or in recent memory? I actually don't have one of $100 or less. I'm just flashy like that, you know? Everything you I buy is over $100. But let me show you this. I bought this thing, which... Dude, this kneeling. show is PG. I don't want to know. <laughs> it's a kneeling chair. Oh. Uh, Okay. Is that what you're using right now? Well, I'm standing right now. My desk is like a sit-stand desk. And when you're on a kneeling chair, it's a mess. It's kind of like you're constantly praying, except you're working. Except you're praying to the gods of e Productivity. <laughs> and you too. It's amazing. I got this kneeling chair. I feel like it drastically improved my posture and back so pain. So you used to be one of these guys, and now- Yeah, yeah, I was hunched over. Actually, like... I was kind of like the opposite. I was kind of like- bowed back. I was just- So you are walking around like this. Just laid back. So you walked around- around like you were constantly being blown back by the wind <laughs> by <Exactly>. the wind <laughs> by the wind yeah all right so the, the kneeling chair okay so they're a little bit more than a hundred dollars but let's two hundred dollars okay i mean the exchange rate is something like that right you, yeah you more or less your... okay that makes sense <laughs> mark what is an unusual habit or absurd thing that you love what makes you weird sometimes I think about what it might be like to wrestle strangers in a car park at night. I envision the nighttime, the feeling of ghee rubbed all over our bodies, the smell of tarmac after rain, the roar of the crowd, the victory of the floodlights and the neon. Pain is temporary. Glory lasts several minutes. Mark, so it's not neon, it's police lights, I think is what it yeah. is. Yeah, tops, huh? <laughs> Here's the thing. That could have gone into like just psychopath very quickly. Yeah. It can. I think it still can. So yeah. the door is still open for you to be a psychopath. But yeah. right now it's kind of you're OK to <laughs> hang around in society because wrestling is just wrestling. Hey, look, it's what consensual adults do in inner city car parks on a Friday night. Did you say it was dark out? Are you sure this is consensual, it's dude? Are you sure you didn't run out, out from a bush <laughs> or from a dock? Because you're up you're by the sea. Yeah, there you dock. go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for that answer. That was easily the best answer to what makes you weird Thank you. that we've had you. here on I'm Not Selling You Anything. All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that. Sadly, Mark, we've arrived at our final question of our conversation. It's everyone's favorite question. It's the billboard question. Are you ready? I am. Mark, if you could have a billboard with anything on it, everyone would drive by it every single day and read it. What would it be and why? It's easy. It's a white billboard. And then in uppercase, future or black, massive old letters. It just reads, everything is going to be okay. And that's it. No branding, just positivity, interesting message, hope. Everything is going to be okay. A friend of mine just bought a billboard for the day in Times Square and it cost her $500. Was it up for 30 seconds? She got one minute every hour for 24 hours. That kind of sounds and like a deal, dude. That's an amazing deal. And now I'm thinking, maybe I should just do that. Maybe a I should just put human? this message. No, maybe I should just put this message onto a billboard. It's oh, like a nice thing. I like and it. But also, if you're going to do that, you might want to yeah. at least add positive human. Real small. Well, right. I mean, like Real the question small. is, do I want that or do I want three of these? Oh, like on it? No, I mean, like for $500, I could get two, oh, duh. two, and, a, thought, two I, and a half kneeling chairs. I thought chairs. you were saying uh, you wanted those up on Times Square just to preach the no, gospel I mean, like, of kneeling chairs. I was no, like, that's no. interesting. That's really weird. Either that or an invite to my next gi wrestling meet. <laughs> and after the gi wrestling, you get to roll around on a hot pan. Very nice. Bring your own gi. <laughs> Mark Thomas, thank you so much for joining us on the show. For our listeners, follow Mark Thomas on LinkedIn, on X. 
Subscribe to his newsletter, Positive Human, which actually has the parts in this episode that spoke about work and looking at them in a different way. And some of the real advice that was in this episode, <laughs> I find a lot in his newsletter. So I highly recommend it. And Mark, just really from the bottom of my heart, you're someone that I've looked up to in a way, kind of doing the growth marketer role. And I see that you do things oddly and differently and obviously <laughs> draws attention and entertaining. And that kind of led me to say, keep going. And it really truly has inspired me to keep doing what I'm doing. So keep doing your thing or else I won't do mine. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, man.